Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed in front of you. Well, we're in the middle of a teaching series called Messy Church, and if you join us for the first time, we've been talking about how church can be messy because people are messy. As we grow in Jesus, God causes our mess or you know, our sin, our junk, to rise in our lives and then He filters that out and deals with it and He fills us up with more of His Spirit in the process. And this messy process of becoming like Jesus, well, it's called sanctification, right? And, and it's why as a church we have people who are on different levels in, in, in this process as well, because we're all in our own stages in our spiritual journey. We've been following the story of the early church in the book of Acts, and a lot has changed in 2,000 years, but humanity hasn't. We struggle with many of the same issues that people in the first century struggle with, and the early church was not immune to that. They dealt with some tough issues, including one we're going to cover here today. And God stirred some things up corporately forcing the early church to deal with their mess and allow God to bring something incredible out of it. Now, the incident we're going to jump into today is pretty challenging. Uh, it's, it's something, though, that we find ourselves dealing with at times in our own lives. So it's this idea that when we choose to follow God, we have to go all in. Like, God doesn't ask for a partial commitment. God wants us all in all the time. And that means there is a danger in holding back. I learned the importance of going all in at a really young age. So my dad demanded that all three of his sons give nothing but 110%, as he would say, um, in everything we did. Anybody else have parents like that? Your parents were the same way? <laughs> yeah, it's like as a kid, you hate that. But as you get older, you actually appreciate that kind of upbringing, and it's actually pretty character building, right? And so all of us, we love baseball. We took it pretty serious. One had the privilege to play professionally. It's been a first love in the world of sports for our family. But as a kid, though, let's just say, you know, we hit a ground ball to short, right? It became an easy out. If we trotted down the first base instead of running really hard, me and my dad would give us an earful on the dugout. You ran hard. Whether you grounded out or got a base hit, you ran as hard as you could. Uh, if we did a job with half effort, we'd have to do the job all over again. And he would say things like, when you do a job, you got to do it right. <laughs> you know, you never held back. You went all in in everything that you did. Well, in Acts chapter 4, we read about a man who went all in too, and he held nothing back. His name is Barnabas. Now, Luke draws attention to him because he sells some property that he owned and gives the money to the apostles. He wasn't the only Christian doing this. There were others who were doing the same sort of thing. They were selling assets they owned and offering all the money to the Lord by bringing it to the church. Now that's some all-in effort right there, isn't it? The commitment level that the early believers had was very, very high, and they were going all-in and holding nothing back. Well, they weren't until we get to Acts 5. And we read about a couple named Ananias and Sapphira, who, like Barnabas, they sold some property they owned and they gave the money back to God. However, there was one major difference in what these two did. So unlike Barnabas and the other Christians who gave everything, this couple held some back. Acts chapter 5, verse number 1. Check this out. 
There was a certain man named Ananias, who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. That's how Sapphira becomes just as guilty here, okay? Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell, just as you wish. And after selling it, well, the money was yours also to give away. So notice here that Peter isn't demanding the money. This is all about the condition of their hearts. They lied, okay? He says, how could you do such a thing like this? You weren't lying to us. You were lying to God. Now, we're going to come back to that. So hold on to that point that he makes. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. And then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, took him out back, and they buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for the land? Yeah, she said, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who, are buried, uh, with your, who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they're going to carry you out too. And instantly, she fell to the floor, and she died. And when the young men came in, and they saw that she was dead, they carried her out, and they buried her beside her husband. And great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what happened. <laughs> Crazy story, right? Odd story, for sure. When I first heard the story as a kid, Freaked me out. <laughs> I think the first time I heard my pastor preach it that I can remember, I swore I'd never lie again. You know, like for a while, my mantra was, you lie, you die. <laughs> it's kind of what I thought, which really isn't a bad takeaway for a kid, right? You know, don't lie. Uh, you might die. Anyway, don't, don't tell your kids that. But that's, that's what I thought. This is a strange story, though. The early church is having an impact. They're growing. They're making a difference. There's so much momentum. And then this happens. And the big question, of course, is like, you know, Why? Why did Ananias and Sapphira feel the need to lie? And why did God seem to enact such a harsh penalty for that? Well, there's actually three sins Ananias and Sapphira commit in holding back from God that I want to touch on. But before we get to those, let's spend a little bit of time talking about why God seemed to deal with this so harshly, right? Because I think we all would say, hey, we've lied. We're still alive and kicking. What's the deal here? Um, I think to answer that question, you're going to see the dots connect a little bit more as we break the story down uh, further. So the church, especially at this point in the early stages of Acts, it was in a very vulnerable state. It was just beginning. It was in its infancy. Which, you know, at Radiant Church, we can relate to that to a certain extent, right? Like, we're in our beginning stages as well. We're entering our seventh month right now. We're, we're newborn babes, man. So if Ananias and Sapphira, if they were allowed to get away with what they conspired, it's quite possible they could have become influencers, right? Leaders, maybe, even, in the church. And if they could get away with that and feel rewarded, uh, what could they not get away with, right? I mean, more serious issues would probably crop up down the road. But eventually, their motives would have been uncovered because, you know, every lie gets unraveled, every sin comes to light at some point. And so if Ananias and Sapphira found themselves in a place of influence and leadership within the church, their sin could have caused irreparable damage to the body of Christ as a whole. And if you don't believe me, just think about all the things we see in our world today. Think about the leaders 
who have led churches, both nationally recognized and known, and those in your own town at the local level, whose entire scope of ministry and livelihood and influence came crashing down because of sin and the scandal it brings. It's not that they're any better than you or me or worse or whatever, because they're not. But the higher in leadership you climb, the broader the scope and impact of what's being entrusted to you. And that means if there's a fall, it comes harder, it comes faster, and it has more damage with it. So I think this is precisely one of the reasons God had to deal with this incident so quickly and so brutally, right? So notice the entire church community is gripped with fear after that. Ain't nobody lying again, right? Right? But it's a healthy fear. Like God is good. God is loving. God is gracious. But God is also just. And this was a reminder of that. So now we turn to Ananias and Sapphira themselves and the three sins they committed, which led to the messy situation in the first place. Now, each one of these sins is also a way we can find ourselves holding back from God too, okay? So first, they held back the truth. Look at verse number three one more time. Peter says, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And then again, verse number four, you weren't lying to us, but to God. So their failure to, to be truthful creates a dishonesty, which could ultimately have harmed the church community as a whole. We already kind of touched on that here a little bit. Dishonesty is a poison. If you're not honest with your spouse once, it's not good. A few times, well, we might need to get you some help, okay? Consistently, man, your days are numbered. And the same can be said of distrust between you and your kids, right? Like your relationship is severely damaged without consistent honesty. But what about business partnerships? Like you can't do business with somebody for very long who's dishonest, right? I mean, that, that this won't work out in the end. But dishonesty also breeds distrust and division. And at this point in the church, boy, they're pretty together in that. In fact, in, in Acts 4 verse 32, the previous chapter, we read this, that all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. And so they shared everything they had. And we skip down this passage. You're also going to read that nobody lacked anything or had any needs, met, you know, needs because they were all met by the body. So this church was united. They were together in everything. And the danger in holding back here is that you're not only harming yourself, but you're harming the body of Christ. Like you, you risk disrupting the unity which should exist in a community of believers. Every person at Radiant has a unique, divinely given spiritual gift. I would argue that you have more than one. And if you're not sure like how God's gifted you, I just want to invite you. Uh, hey, when Growth Track stops, steps up in May, just go through it, especially step two, if you're local, because we're going to help you see how God wired your personality in step two, but also how he gifted you and how those two, your personality and gifts, go hand in hand to live out the purpose God has for your life so that you can make a difference. But every person has a gift from the Lord. And if we all operate in those spiritual gifts, and if we exercise the abilities that God has given to us, no one would lack for anything. I believe every need in this body can be met by the people in this body. Physical, spiritual, financial, doesn't matter. Because when we operate in our giftings and we help meet each other's needs, there is a unity which is created among the community of believers, and it brings us together. But if we hold back, 
we actually risk harming the body as a whole. And we risk limiting the potential within the church community as a whole as well. See, God has uniquely made us to operate independently as individuals, but we cannot reach our full potential without working together. We need each other. Now, one more thing about holding back the truth, okay? It's dangerous to lie, but it's equally dangerous to live a lie. We've all heard the term hypocrite before, but where did that come from? Well, it came from ancient Greece. A hypocrite was an actor. You would wear a mask to play a part, and then you would swap masks to play another role, and it was time to switch characters. So one person could actually play multiple types of people in any given dramatic performance, right? This is exactly what Ananias and Sapphira are doing here. They're being very hypocritical. They want to appear to be more spiritual than what they were. They're putting on a mask, so to speak, here. They, they wanted to give the appearance they're going all in for God without actually really going all in for God. Their public actions did not match their private life. Can I ask you today, does your private life match your public life? Are you the same person at home as you are out in the open with everybody else? Are you the same person with your thoughts as you are when you're around other people? I'll be honest and just own up to it. Hey, you know what? At times I'm not. I'm not the same person. At times I'm a hypocrite. The wrong thought will cross my mind and I'll get angry over something really stupid. I'll say or do something that's not right. And even though nobody else will publicly know about it, it'll eat away at me. Like I have to ask God's forgiveness every single day for something I did. I would venture to say most of us fall into that category, right? I mean, certainly you probably do. It's one thing to recognize your own fallacy and need for God's forgiveness and grace daily. That's okay. But it's another to put on a spiritual front and never seek forgiveness and grace in the Lord because privately you feel you didn't do anything wrong. You just want to appear to be spiritual. That leads to living two different kinds of lives, okay? So don't hold back the truth. Make sure your public life matches your private life. Own your wrong and seek God's forgiveness when you need to. And when you live authentically with complete honesty, can I just tell you, man, the body of Christ is better for it. Now, here's the second issue, the second sin. They held back generosity. Now, I almost made a decision not to address the money in detail in the story, but the more I studied, the more I realized, man, you, you just can't do that. The reason you can't is because Ananias and Sapphira held back generosity. They were victims of their own greed. Let's talk about greed for a moment. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6.10, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Key is root. I always want to draw attention to this, this verse because it gets misunderstood. Money's not evil. Money is an inanimate object. It cannot think. It has no feelings. It's not evil. But greed, which is the love of money, it's a whole different story. Greed will cause you to live by the mantra that the ends always justify the means. It's why Ananias and Sapphira lied in the first place. Now, from a bigger standpoint, greed stems from a failure to trust God. It's living as if everything rises and falls with you and you alone, and that God's got nothing to do with it. So, like, greed says you, you can't depend on God to come through. You can't trust Him that He'll be there this time. No one's going to do it for you, bro. you got to take care of yourself. See how subtle that is? Like, we think greed is, is just, it's all money grabbing, you know? It's like the Monopoly guy coming in, taking all the profits, cheating his way through bank accounts, putting folks on the street. That's greed, you know? Greed, actually, though, is not any of that. It's the act of making yourself your own God. 
It's like I said, you're, you're not trusting the Lord, trusting you. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to give the impression that they were spiritual, but along with all of that, they also want to give the impression they were trusting God. And that's why they claimed it was the full amount they were giving. Hey guys, look at us. We're giving everything we got to God too. We believe He'll provide because doesn't God always do that? All the while, they've kept the stash hidden in case God doesn't come through. <laughs> they had what I call a scarcity mindset. So a scarcity mindset is prevalent in people who are played by greed. It's rooted in fear. You can't give away anything. you got to hold on to everything. Nothing's produced with a scarcity mindset. No great entrepreneur created anything special because they had a scarcity mindset. There's no Apple or Amazon or Microsoft if those founders had scarcity mindsets which caved to fear. And since you can't create anything with a scarcity mindset, you think of ways to hold on to what you do have and siphon away what other people have. But a person who is generous, they live by a whole different set of rules. If you're generous, you live with an abundant mindset. You can produce more of what you give away because you trust God to provide more. Because after all, there really is more where that came from. When you get on the path of generosity, I guess tell you, man, there's no end to what God can do in and through you. The early church was incredibly generous and it had a major impact in the communities they lived in, but it also had an eternal impact in the lives they touched as a result. There was a guy who was very active in a church that we previously pastored and he owned his own business in town. He took good care of his employees. He's very well known in the community. And uh, one of the reasons he was so well known and so loved by everybody was because he was one of the most generous people I'd ever been around. He would routinely express his generosity to people who were hurting and had needs and he would meet those needs. Several times he'd approach us and ask about, hey, does anybody in the church have a need? What's going on? He would help him uh, with that, just let him know who was in trouble or who needed something. And he would generously provide for them and he would say, man, don't tell anybody. Because he knew that God had blessed him to be a blessing, but he also knew where the credit needed to go. See, that's living an abundant life, a generous life, right? But it's also a life which is humble, which recognizes that God deserves every ounce of credit. This actually is going to lead me to the third and final sin that Ananias and Sapphira committed. They held back humility. At the end of Acts chapter 4, we read about the unity and generosity of the early church. At the very end of that passage, we hear for the first time about our guy Barnabas, okay? Acts 4, verse 36. There was Joseph, the one the apostles named Barnabas. It's kind of a cool name here. It means son of encouragement, Luke tells us. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. So it's in the Mediterranean. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, I don't think it's coincidence the very next verse after this contains the story of Ananias and Sapphira. At the core of this little plot they hatched was pride. I think Luke is showing us both a connection and a contrast. That Barnabas, you know, he becomes this person of influence. He becomes a leader. He travels with Paul on his missionary journeys, right? People saw what Barnabas did. He got recognition for it, so much so that Luke felt it noteworthy to include his act of generosity. So it's possible that Ananias and Sapphira saw what Barnabas did. They saw him get recognized for his generosity, and it bothered them. You know, they wanted recognition, they wanted power, they wanted influence too, right? Proverbs 16, 18 gives us a pretty good reminder. It says, pride leads to destruction. 
In fact, pride opens the door, I would say, to every kind of sin. Because at the heart of pride is a desire to glorify oneself. I don't believe Ananias and Sapphira were interested in giving glory to God at all. I, I think they wanted people to look at them as great Christians and spiritual people. They wanted the position of leadership without the sacrifice leadership requires. Oh, listen to me now. This is going to be important. This might be worth its weight in gold for you today. Many people desire to lead and be in the driver's seat and be seen. But leading on any level requires sacrifice. It requires giving up personal freedoms, sacrificing time, giving sacrificially, placing others ahead of yourself. It is tough to lead. And because many people want the position and authority without the sacrifice, they hold back, hoping they can get what they desire without paying the price. They ask, how committed can I be without having to go all in? That's what Ananias and Sapphira did. Don't hold back humility in your life. Like, don't, don't chase the status, the reputation of being a spiritual leader without first chasing after Jesus. When you chase after Christ, you don't hold back. Man, you use your gifts, the talents, abilities, resources, all those things for the benefit of seeing God's kingdom expand and grow. The difference between somebody who is truly spiritually mature and someone who, who isn't is actually found in the humility of sacrifice. And the big part of humility is giving God credit. When you're more concerned about your reputation than you are about your character, there is no end to what you'll do to make yourself look good. You'll even rob God of the credit He deserves. And let me just tell you, when you rob God of His glory, ain't nothing good coming from that. Anytime you put yourself up with pride, you're taking credit and, and glory away from your Creator. So there's an Old Testament story which kind of mirrors this a little bit. Um, Israel had lost the Ark of the Covenant. So some of you might be watching or listening and you might say, well, what is that? I got no idea what this Ark is. Is that Noah's thing? <laughs> well, actually, you might have an idea of what the Ark is. If you've ever seen Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, you at least have a very generic idea of what the Ark was, okay? Uh, it was real. It did exist. Yes, it is lost to us today. When Babylon destroyed Jerusalem in 586 B.C., it disappeared forever. Um, but the ark was symbolic of God's presence residing with Israel. And in this story, the nation of Philistia, it's the Philistines, they captured it in the aftermath of a military victory over Israel. And uh, they couldn't handle all the curses and the plagues which came with it because they didn't know what to do with it. So they sent the ark back. And for years, it stayed at a private residence until David, this is the same guy who kills Goliath, becomes king. So King David decides it's time to bring the ark home to Jerusalem. So the ark comes back on a cart, and the road gets bumpy, and the ark starts to fall out, and a man named Uzzah reaches his hand out to steady it, and the Lord instantly kills him. And King David is so angry. It doesn't make sense. Like, he was trying to help the ark, God. Like, what is the big deal? And the Lord tells David, basically, like, hey, go back and read the book. Like, I told you how to move the ark. It is supposed to be carried by the priests. There's a reason God sanctioned priests to carry the ark. He's a holy God. You don't master the glory of God. He's a holy God. Later in the New Testament, we read that we're part of a royal priesthood, that God's Spirit doesn't symbolically dwell in a box or whatever. It resides in us. And that means we carry the presence and glory of God wherever we go as followers of Christ. But if we let pride get rooted into our lives, if we let pride get rooted into our church, it will bring destruction. And spiritually speaking, we will die because we're going to make it all about us. 
Pride robs God of glory and credit. It seeks to remove Him and His presence from our lives, and it elevates us in the process. Man, this is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. It's what led to Samson getting his hair cut and losing his strength. Nothing good ever comes from pride. The story of Ananias and Sapphira, man, it is, it is it's messy. It's not exactly feel good, and it doesn't leave you feeling really inspired. But it's more of a warning. Don't hold back. Don't hold back the truth. Don't hold back generosity. Don't hold back humility. Instead, go all in. Not part of the way, not 90%, 110%. When you read about the life of Christ in the Gospels, you read that every follower sacrificed. They all went in. Matthew, he left a wealthy and privileged life as a tax collector. Peter had a family. Andrew and John had their family in business. In the early church, no one gave up more than Paul in power and position and influence. Everyone gave up something or a few things to follow Christ. No one held back. And today, this is a call for you to do the exact same. I've never met a single person who hasn't gone all in for Christ and never regretted doing so. So give them all that you got. Give them everything that you have. Give them every part of your life. Learn from the story of Ananias and Sapphira here today. Don't hold back. Instead, go all in. Here's what I'd like to do today. If you're watching or listening right now, you just say, Pastor, uh, I've been holding back, and, and I realize today i, I got to change that. I want to go all in for Christ. Two things we're going to do. One, we're going to pray for those of you who are going to go on for Christ for the very first time today. I'm going to lead a prayer that I want you to say in your own words. We're going to model it for you. You say it in your own words. And, and then I want to pray for those of you who are believers, but you've been holding back. And maybe you're feeling committed today, and you realize, you know what? i got to go all in. I want to pray that you go all in for the Lord. In your resources, in your talent, in your gifts, in your finances, in your spirit, in your life. That you go all in for God. And allow Him to use you in a powerful way. That you're honest and truthful. That you're generous. That you're humble. And God can do incredible things through you. In fact, what God can do through you really is endless if you can live a life like that. So, Father, I thank you for those who are watching and listening right now. I pray for those who don't know you, who say, Pastor, I, I want to go all in for Christ for the first time today. If that's you, we're gonna, I want you to pray this prayer in your own way. I'm going to model it for you. It's going to go like this. Jesus, I am sorry for my sin. Forgive me for the wrong that I've done. I have violated your standards, God. And, and I'm just asking here today that you forgive me and cleanse me of my sin. I'm asking, Lord, that you will save me. That you will, you will save me of my wrong. Give me a brand new start in my life. And now we're going to ask Him to be Lord of our lives, and it goes like this. And so now that I've asked you to be Savior, God, I'm asking you to be Lord of my life. I, I don't want to call the shots. I don't want to lead myself. I want you to lead me. You know what's best for me. You're my creator. You're God. You lead me, and I will follow from this day forward you wherever you take me, whatever you do through me. I'm yours from here on out. And that's called making Christ our Lord and Savior, and you're now in the kingdom of God. 
And Lord, I pray for those who are holding back today. They're Christians, they're believers, but they're committed today knowing they're holding something back. I pray today they go all in for you. That God, they learn from the story and they go all in spiritually, financially, physically, God, uh, with their tools, with the gifts, with the resources you've given them. May they go all in, God, for you from this day forward and leave nothing left, God, to give because they have put everything they have and who they are into your hands and are 110% going all in for Christ. And I pray you would use them in a powerful way as they're honest and truthful, as they're generous, as they're humble. May you, God, use them uh, endlessly to impact people and lives around them. And may you get glory, God, and credit for all the great things you do in and through them. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.